Hi, welcome to episode 66 of the Therapy Tales podcast with me, Dawn Walton, the human behaviourist therapist. You adopted that now, have you? Yeah. I am Jess Probst, um, recently freed from prison. <laughs> oh, it's not a prison. Oh, sorry, custodial unit. Cus- Community custody unit, CCU, yeah. Take a picture of my frappuccino. frappuccino. What is it called? It's called a frappuccino. It's amazing. Look at the size of it. Jess calls it pudding. Um, <laughs> What's it? It is. Isn't it's it? an ice drink? blended drink with a mass of cream on top and usually some sort of syrup. They bring out new ones, which are there's a strawberry waffle one, strawberries and cream waffle, and there's a chocolate waffle one. It'll have like a waffle syrup and waffle bits on it. Basically dessert. It is basically dessert, you're right. And actually I had a refresher earlier, which is just a really nice refreshing strawberry drink. And now we have been in prison, that is not a prison, and I felt I needed pudding. It's been that kind of weekday. That kind of day. <laughs> that kind of day. So we, um, sorry, we haven't spoken for a while. We've been super busy doing and not had much Starbucks time at all. So, and it's letting us down. Yes, so we've had all sorts of great ideas and they've come and go. We've forgotten what they are, so we're just going to talk about what we just started talking about, which was um, when we are trying to train our dogs to do something. Uh, should we? What should we praise for? What should we reward? What, what should we correct? Do you want me to explain it? Um, I was just doing the introduction. You're obviously going to do the dog bit. Okay. But then I was going to do my take on what you just talked about. So. Yeah, but I have to talk about it first. You have to talk about it first. Otherwise, so you, they won't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but I didn't want to interrupt your dessert. And actually, the more you eat that, the higher the sugar rush is going to be, and the more you're going to be a little crazy on our podcast. So get in there first. How did I do in prison? Was I all right with my little presentation? You were great in prison. Right. You always do really well in these settings. I always am um, full of admiration for the way you are. In you're very good with people, and you're very good at communicating. That's nice. It's true. That's high praise. Okay, so I got a video sent. Hopefully, I can use this video because it's it's really good and it sparked me thinking. Um, and also, just as we little, uh, we segue, the more stuff that I've got to do, like all these zooms that I'm doing just now. So you've all you're also really busy. Mm-hmm. So we've got Zoom sessions coming out of our ears. We're organising residential trips. We've got another two dog training weekends coming up for the trainers. So we've got a lot of admin and I'm like getting annoyed because the more stuff I have to do, the more headspace is taken up, the yes. less I'm getting to think about dog processes and trying to work out, like I'm always thinking about how to make things easier or better. Yep. So I'm always progressing. And my thoughts go to why does this happen? What if we do this and all this stuff, right? So um, I'm getting this, I've got this video sent of a dog that has been... We've been giving, I've been giving her some homework to do, to go to the park and do nothing. Right? Sit on a bench and do nothing. And we're praising the dog for relaxed. Why did you give her the homework to do that? So her dog is, uh, the behaviour that he's doing of whining okay. is, uh, you know, highly frustrating. And it doesn't matter where it's come from, whether it's come from anxiety or making her move faster so he gets what he wants or bored. That doesn't really matter to me. What I'm trying to do is, is interrupt and create new habit, new process for him to not. So we're trying to catch him not whining yep. and also trying to get engagement more. Okay. So I've set her some, some things to change um, and I've set her um, at some tasks like going to the park and catch him not whining and rewarding that. Okay. And one of the questions she sent me back in the video is that, you know, do I reward him only when he's choosing to look at me or is it okay to reward him if he's looking away? Yeah. And my thoughts were, either way, we're going to have a dog that's wanting to connect more. Yes. And so why is that? 
So if I break this down, and so, you know, from clicker training, we're marking the behaviour in the moment. Yes. So we're catching the behaviour. So if we start to say to him, yes, and then at the moment her reinforcement is touch and praise. So she's saying yes, and then she's going to, you know, give him affection. And he's going to go, oh, that felt good, I like that. Whatever I was doing, I'll do it again. It doesn't matter if he's chosen to connect with her or if he's looking the opposite way, because when she says yes, he's going to connect with her anyway. And in time, he'll start to preempt that and connect more with her. So either way, she's going to get what she wants. But traditional training says that if you reinforce the dog for looking away, that's the behavior you'd get more, which isn't what happens. So there's there's two things that come to mind when I think about this. One is a dog thing and one is a non-dog thing. So the dog thing is um, one of the things on the walks that you're teaching people is that when a dog sits next to you, if it's not making eye contact, that's rude, right? It's, it's basically um, distracted by everything that's going on. It's not got its attention on you. And what we need is the dog to have its attention on you. So, not all the time, but it's, you know, you can kind of see the dogs that are completely not interested in their owner and the yes. ones that are checking in frequently to see they're part of my equation in my life. Yeah, so we tend to think those of us who are not um, immersed in this kind of almost intuitive understanding of what's going on with a dog sometimes, we tend to think in what we've been told to think. So what we've been told is when the dog's looking away, that's not a sign of engagement and that's not necessarily a good thing. So the question of um, should I be only rewarding him for when he looks at me is going to be based on that, which is, you know, we're trying to correct the, the whining thing, but the thing that you're telling me also is kind of counter if he's looking away from me then that's not a good thing either so which one do I do and why should I do it is the, is the question and that comes from this um, belief that um, people and animals learn what we teach them so um, if we give the wrong signal they will learn the wrong thing and that's massively overstating your power because if that was actually true then you would never have any training problems because you give the right signal you get the right behavior and automatically everything would work so when you praise a dog for growling because it's making the right choice instead of biting then everybody assumes that now your dog is now encouraged to growl and will automatically growl so it can get the treat for growling that is the the next logical assumption that our brains make because we think they have this amazing power that the dog is learning exactly what we're teaching in that moment whereas if we understand that the dog is doing a natural behavior it doesn't know it's wrong it doesn't actually understand why it's being corrected for it although it can understand through repetition that it always gets in trouble when it does this particular thing it wasn't the dessert it was the this, uh, and wall. this is why um trainers probably shouldn't meddle in behavior because there's much more to it. It's not just about giving paracetamol and the pain goes away. Yeah. It's actually, you know, really much more complex. It is. It's the, it's the whole view. So you have to take the before, during and after, and you have to think about the why. Why is this behavior coming around? Because actually, if you, if you just correct one thing, you deflect onto another thing and deflect onto another thing. So if you went, okay, uh, growling is better than biting, so we're going to reward growling, then what you'd have is a whole bunch of people praising their dogs when they growled, even if they're maybe never bitten, and go, you know, because growling's better than biting, I'm going to praise for growling. She that, told me, she told me. She told me. And so a trainer, that's what you do. The ABCs, this is what you do, right? So if a trainer said to stop your dog biting, praise it for growling, then people would praise it for growling. And yeah, it would learn that growling is a good thing. Um, <coughs> you know, in, in the same way, I think um, Ashley had taught 
Remy to bark at some point. So she taught, she's, you know, she's really good at training her dogs and she trained one of them to bark on command and that was fine. And so she'd say speak and it'd bark and it was dead cute and it was a lovely trick. And she thought she'd teach Remy to bark, but she unlocked Remy's voice and Remy learned how to bark almost by doing that because Remy doesn't normally bark. She's like, God damn it, you know. So it's, it's not one size fits all, but it is understanding what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to achieve it. And this happens with people all the time. We think if I say something, then it's going to change everything. Whilst at the same time, getting frustrated that when we say something, it doesn't change everything. <laughs> and we've said this before with kids, they don't learn what we're trying to teach. So when you've got consequences and punishment, you think you're teaching them that that's bad behavior, but actually they're just learning that they get in trouble from you and if they can, they'll avoid getting in trouble. So if a dog's running off, chasing something that's really cool and interesting, if you were to use an e-collar in the way that you punished it, then it would just go, okay, I'll just try and avoid it and I'll not come back to you because this was more fun and I might as well have my fun before I get in trouble, right? And kids get that thinking. If you, if you get in trouble for everything you do, you just sod it, I might as well get in trouble and deal with the consequences afterwards. So one of the things that behaviorism says, like clinical behaviorism, um, is that dogs can't generalize. Okay. And actually we can, and we see that, right? They can. Um, otherwise, maybe we'd only bark at that specific yes. yeah, set. Yes, yeah. But then she's putting it into context from other things. The They're not programmable machines. If they were, everything would be so much easier, right? They're not lab rats. They're not lab rats. <laughs> it's like the paracetamol thing. A paracetamol works 100% the same way if you put it in a test tube. But if you put it in a body, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There are environmental factors that affect, and there's circumstances and history, and a whole complex piece, which is why you can't do a video on something and then all the people who watch the video suddenly are able to change the behavior in their dog. That's why you're having these Zoom coaching sessions because they need to go, well, yeah, but in my dog, when I do this, I get this response. So why is that? Well, maybe doing them too well, the Zooms. I think you are. Well, the problem is that we might be losing clients if I manage to help them on a 50 pound <laughs> phone call, right? I'm not gonna go up to, to spend some time in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fairness, you have a massive wait list. Yeah. So it's not that, you know, you actually want a huge amount more people coming up here because you're a victim of your own success just now. It's nice working with the trainers as well, the people that are, um, we call them crossover trainers, where they come from like a methodology and then they go actually and they'll try something different. There's an interaction happening behind us with the lab and the dog that was over there and they're being allowed to say to each, hi to each other. Oh God. Because that's what you do, right? You just go say hi and have a little party and everybody so talks. We need to mention Jessie because she's been on every podcast since we met her. So Jessie did a post on, what yeah. was the post about today? Entitlement was Ooh, the good. title of the post. So um, I've got the opposite for her today. So her post was about Atlas being in the pub and someone coming up and putting their two hands on his face and like demanding to touch the dog as humans do. And her saying, please don't do that. He well, says, <laughs> as a setup, they, they'd come out of the pub Atlas was in a muzzle, they were away to cross the main road, so he was in a sit pose, a heel pose, ready to cross the road with her, waiting for a moment to cross the road, and a woman comes up with two hands, now he's also got a collar on that says don't touch, a woman comes up with two hands and squishes his, his head with her two hands, and, and just feels that that's perfectly okay to do that, I mean like everything about that setup said you don't do that, but she ignored all of that, and then Jesse was like, I told you not to touch him, you shouldn't have touched him. And, um, and Atlas was incredibly well behaved as it happens, but then she was just swearing at Jessie. 
Because I, I guess I kind of feel like there's a world full of chaos out there, and my job is to train my dogs. And you know, Atlas is now well underway, so they can cope with the chaos. Exactly. You That's can't keep them all in a in a bubble wrap, although some people would like to. Um, so this dog in particular, um, Staffy Cross Lab, has got a really shiny coat. So he's at the counter, and he's clearly you know not very well trained and um, choking on his collar to get to me and I just kind of didn't come forward but I said, really lovely coat, nice to see one that's not really heavy it was quite a slim dog and she went, oh he's a cross lab and, and blah 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 and her body language was, you want to say hi to my dog, don't you? and I was like, I'm just here, speaking to you, saying hi to your dog without having to touch it so it was the complete opposite, right? they were like, I could tell, every ounce of it was like, why aren't you touching my dog? why, why aren't you doing that? And <laughs> It's the opposite problem, but similar that people assume yeah. touching is what, what is supposed to happen in that situation. It, th there is such a, a, a break. My brain isn't working. I've just had like a couple of weeks. Um, couple can't of find weeks. ways. A couple of weeks from you know totally mushed. Um, dichotomy, something like that, between um, the perception that we have of a dog and the reality of a dog. And we, we, I know we talk about this a lot, but it's really important because um, so many owners that come along to you just feel terrible because they must have done something so wrong to have created such a problem dog because that's not what pet dogs are like. Pet dogs are not problems. We don't have these problems with them. I have the empathy, right? Because I'm like, I see it all the time. I know it's not their fault. It's society's fault, yeah. actually, not the human fault. Because society puts a lot of pressure on. But the thing I keep getting is, I don't know if my dog's suitable. I don't know if you can help. I don't know. Do you yeah. get that a lot with your family? Every single client. Really? I don't know if you can help me. Have you had anybody like this before? Those Everyone's are the two things that most... So every person who messages me or emails me tells me what's going on and says, I don't know if there's something you can help with. And the answer is always, yes, I can. Always, yes, I can. I've not had anything yet that I can't help with. And it's not actually relevant whether I've had somebody with it before because everybody's unique anyway. But I understand the principles and that's what we work on. So the thing, the point with the entitlement thing is one of the things you've been trying to drum home to people is the problem with avoidance is random events that you can't control mm -hmm. and like somebody coming and squishing a dog that is clearly well trained sitting next to its owner with a muzzle on thinking that that's okay to come put both hands on their head and flop their ears Not really caring about the emotional yeah yeah so that's totally outside of your control so most situations that happen are outside of our control we can't control random people that we come across we can't control people um, that insist that their dog should meet our dog you know we can't do that the people the amount of people don't ask when we're here in Starbucks and there's a dog on the floor and they just come and they start fussing it yeah they don't ask and I only bring a dog in when I'm either fully on it because it's just learning or I've got to the point with it where I'm relaxed enough that even if yep. that happened it would be fine. I'm going on this theme, um, you know, I've been training classes for 20 years now. Um, I don't need to do the classes anymore, but I think it's, there's, a, there's a value in it. There's still a, a value in it, but it's a strange place to learn, is my take. I yep. think it's much more natural to be moving and, and dealing with real life situations. But um, for years I would bring <laughs> kittens or a chicken, just occasionally. You know, in a crate, and like recently, it was like a big lump of ham. Like, there's no way you could eat it. No dog yeah. could eat it in one. You know, um, 
and I'm teaching the dogs to do a leave with it and I'm saying to the owners pretend it's poisonous and they don't because it's not poisonous and the way I deal with with my puppies and with my dogs is that the, the setups that I create or the small events that happen could be real life poison events or real life you know yep. so I'm always thinking if this is a situation would I have control or not control not the right word would the dog make the right decision probability be in my favour would be yes. a better way of putting it because nothing's really in control it's more about probability and, and if, the, if the stars align and you can help that you, yes. can, you can do things to proactively but I guess we aren't proactive as a species really are we we aren't so we do this whole prediction right we, we take what's happened in the past what's happening just now and predict the future rather and than trying to think about how to create the, the well, or even recognising that the thing that's got us as far as we are, <laughs> well, we, we've got as far as we are because we've dealt with lots of random stuff. The stuff that causes you the biggest problem in life is the stuff that blindsides you, you know, the stuff that you can never predict. Those are the things that totally floor you, the, those moments where your world turns upside down and you wish you could go back to five minutes before where this hadn't happened, right? Those are the things that cause us the biggest difficulty in life. We can never predict those things. But what we can know is that when they happen, and or everybody will have things like that that have happened, we'll be fine because we'll adapt because we've got the kind of innate qualities that we're born with. Well, you know that because you, you see, you know, working with people, how yeah. adapting People are, are amazing. And I see that with dogs. Yeah. Like, people are like worried about leaving their dog with me. And the dog's like, hey, cool, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so we've got, to have, we've got to have faith in the individual beyond the circumstances so we, we make things too situational mm. if i control the situation then everything will be fine and you're like you're missing the point you're missing the point that you've got the skills and that your dog's got the skills and so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get the dog to have the capabilities to make the right choices and respond in the right way whatever the situation is so instead of dealing with it in a situational way we're dealing with it in a resourcing the dog way and resourcing the owner way so we're resourcing the owner by saying okay it's here's right? yeah so here's some food um, how are you going to stop your dog taking that food? And they're all like, you know, drag the lead away. Okay, so your, your dog's on the other side of the park. How are you going to stop the dog doing it then? Okay, okay, so you can't do it with the lead, right? Okay, okay, fine. So um, it's leave, 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 leave. No, well, you can't say, it's not, it's not listening to you. It's just scoff the food while you're saying leave. So how are you going to stop it? That's poison, so how are you going to stop it? Well, you know, shove it away. And they're like, oh, shove, little shove, little shove. No, 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 don't do that. Leave, 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 shove it and away. And, and the dog's like, if the determined dogs would go, okay, I could, but I could also just eat that food that's right in front of me because it's really nice food. And, and you're then kind of like, no, you have, to, you have to grab it and you have to shove it. You have to make it really clear you have to be the boss. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, mm, I don't want to do that. And you're like, well, okay, you could not do that and you could not learn this, but in a year's time when it runs off the park and it's eating something poisonous and you're going to go, leave, honey, please don't do that, you're going to end up with a dead dog. So you could either have your dog learn something now or you can have a dead dog later which would you prefer <laughs> well something else happens as well where um so in, in the prison today the community custodial unit and um, the big boss man he was talking about um people making mistakes mm. and he said that we all do and it's part of learning dog owners don't know that no especially in the class they get embarrassed they, they're like the dog should do this i want my dog to do everything perfectly otherwise you know there's it affects their core whereas i'm like the dog's going to make a mistake like, and it's going to forget it straight away yeah right so um, i expect them to be dogs. non non-dog example just for a moment just for a random thing um i have kittens at the moment not personally my cat had she kittens me every day. 
<laughs> Notes, Jess rolled her eyes. Um, they're adorable. The little black things with little white paws and white bellies, and they're dead cute. And they're eight weeks old on Saturday, so they're a lovely age. And um, they're reaching the rough and tumble age and all this sort of stuff. But two of them are going to go down to my cousin's to live, which is four or five hours away. And we need to be able to make sure they're ready to go in the car. So we're taking the two of them out in the car, getting them acclimatised to the car. One of them couldn't care less, just happily sleeping away, not fussed at all by the other car. By the car, the other one is like panting and going. I don't like being in the car and like freaking out. Even when we gave him a puppuccino through Starbucks, you know, Starbucks staff were very happy to meet him. By the way, <laughs> puppuccino. <laughs> the other word is not the best one for it. The other words. <laughs> you always got to be careful with cats and words. Um, so, <laughs> so we get him home. <laughs> anyway, Dawn closes her eyes, tries to find a different visual, and gets the kitten home. Um, and we've got a little carry crate for them, and we just leave it in the lounge a lot of the time so they can play and they romp and they really enjoy it. So it's not a big thing for them to come in and out of it. Climbs out of it bounces around the living room no problems absolutely fine you know not not an issue goes and talks to his mum and all this sort of stuff he just didn't like being in the car i've not traumatized my cat my cat's not like disturbed for life i don't have to avoid taking him in the car in fact what i need to do is take him in the car lots more, more so he gets used to it because he's absolutely fine feed him in the car <laughs> yes feed him in the car well we did i had chicken in the basket chicken in the basket <laughs> chicken and kitten in the basket and then he got the starbucks um which he quite liked the starbucks cream are still quite a young age so it takes them a little while to get engaged with the food but once they go they go for it so yeah and, but now i could say avoidance is oh my poor little cat you know he got really stressed i'm not going to do that to him i'm just going to do it in one hit but actually i know enough to know that avoidance doesn't work you you need to get acclimatization another one of them went to my friend's house for a day trip um during the week to get used to it and he was fine in the car, absolutely fine. So some are fine and some are not fine. And the ones that are not fine, we just need to get them used to it. It's not the end of the world. It's not killing him. He'll be fine. And I think, I think this is the same thing, right? So sometimes we just need to do things that are in the best interest of our children, well, that's where the our animals. comes in, right? So it's the, it's the bigger picture. Yeah. Just what's it suffering right now? But if, it, if it's going to suffer more because of the bigger trip, then doing lots of little small trips where it gets acclimatized means the big trip means nothing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, ethics should always be about, you know, what, what's the bigger... Long-term good interest of the animal or the child, you know? It's like sometimes we have to say no to something because it's better in the long run and they're not in a position to judge for they themselves. Know, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it, the classic thing with kids is you know, treats and sweet things and things like that. You know, there's lots of kids that would just scoff until they were sick something sweet, but that's not good for them to do that. I had an ethical conundrum recently. I should be in a great podcast, but I forgot. Like we've had so many things. We like, have. We had loads. Was that one that I was saying to you last week? Can we do a podcast like right now? Or it was Monday morning, wasn't it? <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> I don't know. Did you not write it down? <laughs> this Sick. is me getting told off again. Sick. Did you write it down, Jess? Because you're the one with the phone that you could read notes on, and I'm on my podcast phone. So, um, did you write it down, Jess? No. No. Okay. Well. All these great topics. If we don't do a podcast right now, it's going to get my head. I think I did actually write it down, but it's in the notes on my, and my phone's on the podcast thing, and I don't know what will happen if I swipe up to oh, get no. to the notes. Yeah, don't do it. Don't no, I just, like, that would be really annoying. So, um, I do know we had one on data and information, which was a like, topic... Like how we recorded your information? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, remember we were driving up to get the puppies from Aberdeen, 
and we were having this conversation. I know. Well, it was weeks or something, but yeah. Two months. (laughs) It was, we were having a conversation about the difference between data and information because when people Google things, they find data, but you have to interpret the data, right? You have to do something with the data because when you Google something, it doesn't do anything with meaning. So AIs are different from Googling, right? An AI interprets the data and gives you a packaged view of the data. So information is what you do with it. Data is the the raw, the raw stuff. It's the numbers. Interpretation is it has no meaning until you do something with it. Because we've had a few clients recently that are like, how would you say, like super control freaks, where they do a lot of data analysis. Yep. Which just means collecting lots of data and confusing the hell out of themselves because <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to dog training and you go, right, okay, well, how do I you know, train my dog to go toilet and outside? <clears throat> well, use happy pads. No, no, don't use happy pads. You will get that, right? <laughs> if, you, if you Google this sort of thing, it'd be really interesting because I think we, we did a how to train recall or something and, and Googled it and there's just loads of different information or different bits of it makes total sense. Yes. For example, for house training, not to use hobby pads because you're convincing the dog to pee in the house. Yes. But for those of us who've got small dogs and small bladders, like me and my little dogs, and that axes are notorious for taking a while just not to get that they have to travel the whole way outside because <laughs> it's, you know, miles for them. Um, I gave up on that years ago and just went, I'm just putting a puppy pad down. It's yep. totally fine. Be there. It's not a big yep. deal. And then if they can, they go out. Like in the summer, they go out. If the door's closed and they don't want to tell me, then that's okay. You can have a puppy pad. No, it's right, not a problem okay. for me. Um, Golden Retrievers house trained themselves. Yep. Susie never ever is on toilet in the house, ever. Like, she threw up once in the house and, and she went, oh my God, I threw up in the house. You've got She's, a spider on your nose. Is it a spider? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was something. Oh, there it is. So, um... Well, I'm glad I didn't snort at that point. <laughs> That'd be a whole new type of hyper. <coughs> spider spider drugs. <laughs> uh, oh, Spider-Man 16900 is out just now. Oh, is it? Yeah, part oh, of cliffhanger. Um, anyway, so... Like, quite literally, spider webs, cliffhanger. Okay. Never mind, what were we talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have sugar at the same time as doing podcasts. Well, you shouldn't. <laughs> We were talking about data and information, but we went somewhere wild. Oh, puppy pads. We were talking about puppy pads and how it shouldn't have puppy pads. Well, I went through a phase of telling people it's puppy pads, because it was like newspaper back in the day. That's how old I am. (laughs) And then it was puppy pads. And then it was don't use puppy pads. And now I'm back to going, just fucking use puppy pads. Like, it's not a problem. Puppy will eventually, like, my golden retriever puppies used them and then just started going, we'll just go outside. So, like, every breed is different. Well, it's not about a bad owner, it's not about, you know... I my have, kittens litter train themselves, which I find really interesting. <laughs> well, I think most animals, it's probably down to the breeder, right? If the breeder's given them space to move out of the bed that they sleep in. Yeah. So, um, the Golden Retriever breeder that we got them from, they had, she had a bed and then she had a bigger pen that they could come out of. Yeah. And she tried to use grass pellets, didn't she? Yeah. It doesn't smell of grass and stuff, it's really funny. They prefer the decking, but... <laughs> um, yeah, the, the idea is that they can come away from where they sleep yeah. and they'll, they'll move to find you know, a, wait, a wait time. Do you and see they, today in, in the custodial yeah. unit, um, the female puppy walked away from us to yes. pee and then came back. Yeah. So they try and go away from their, their play and sleep area. And that makes sense, right? It and does. It's just we just need to give them the opportunity to do that. But yeah. I think it's, really, it's the same when you're, you're potty training a child, to be honest. Um, 
it's easier to do it when they're ready. If you try and force them to do it, it's just really, really stressful. Yeah. And you have lots of accidents and it's bad for you and it's bad for them. Whereas when they're ready, they'll just, they'll do it no problems. But you absolutely, you get a potty so they We've don't have to go to the big toilet. Right. Right. To get, you know, um, and I guess it's worse with kids because you've got other people going, well, my kid's the same age and it's for house Yeah, and it, it has... <laughs> Isn't the same thing? <laughs> Try my kid. Um, yeah, it's when they go to nursery and some nurseries won't let you have kids still in nappies and things oh, like wow. that because they don't want to change the nappies. Um, so, yeah, people get really stressed over it um, and do all sorts of strategies and things, but at the end of the day, when the kid's ready, it'll just do it. It's fine. So, yeah, our, our theme came from different methodologies and you're going to have conflicting advice. So yeah. You need to pick one and stick with it, even if it's like positive only. Yeah. Because you're not going to do too much damage with um, training positive reinforcement. The problem is when it comes to really naughty behaviours. Like, when I say naughty, behaviours that we don't want in pet dog, like biting, that's yeah. pretty severe. So definitely don't ignore that. You can positive your reinforcement your way out of it, but kind of got to have a bit of you know, well, knowledge and experience in that. The, the, the key with it is positive reinforcement, right? Because that implies positive is often avoidance, right? So positive is... Well, it shouldn't be, but... I know, but if you said positive only, then what you'd say is you're not saying no, you're not telling off, you're not, you're not doing anything like that. Where a positive reinforcement is do this instead. Um, you don't have to say no. I don't think you said no to your puppies for the first eight ten weeks yeah. so you don't say no because you don't need to say no but you give them alternatives and and you, there are certain things that they they can't get away with That's doing what I mean like I think the first month was entirely positive yeah it is and, and um, I was very much you know I'm taking care of the mental health by not snatching things from them because yep. otherwise I'll get a gulper or I'll get a dog that runs away from me you've noticed that they don't run from me no they're always wanting to come and yep. the recall is and it's amazing. If anybody calls puppies, they come running. Yeah, they're, they're brilliant. And they compete. I make them compete. The fastest one gets the food, right? Mm-hmm. That's why it's brilliant having... I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast. It's brilliant having more than one because you can compete them. And then they all, you know... <laughs> and they are because... I'm not fair. I don't give them each one. I give the fastest one. Because they're golden retrievers. They, um, they want to please. They are, compared to some of the other dogs, they are automatically just like hi 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 they person are. please so you. they've also um after 12 weeks they developed more naughty behaviors mm-hmm. so what i mean by naughty is unwanted i shouldn't say what naughty because that's subjective um but today i had a fantastic example so i put a video up recently on the patreon um of so um did you see the video? Is that the scene? I'm on the hill above the puppy. <laughs> you have to set the scene. Did you see the video? No, you. I know, uh, but which video? All right, okay. You have to give me some clue. The puppy, and I corrected it. Mm-hmm. It's the first time I've ever shown anybody um, like a correction like that because yeah. like, that's horrendous, isn't it? Oh my God, you correct the puppy. Call yeah. the SSPCA. That's the Royal Society for Protection of Cuties to Animals in England. Here it's the Scottish Society of Protection of Cuties to Animals. Yes. Um, so. Well, thanks for clarifying. <laughs> Um, on the hill, puppy got lost in the grass. It's quite long grass, and she lay down. Now, future pacing, we're going to think. Well, hang on a second. If I didn't see where she was lying down, I've effectively lost the puppy. Yeah. No idea where she is right now. I only knew because I saw her lie down. Yeah. She got some dirt or something to eat. So I did the normal recall and fed the other ones because they were like at my feet going. But hang on, because <laughs> I've all got the same recall, and uh, she didn't come. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So this is the first time I've seen her blatantly go. I'm not coming, I've got something more valuable here. Yep. Now, I don't care about the things she's got. And when I approach her, she knows that I don't care because yep. of all the history that I've got with her now. Yeah. But what we want to do is achieve the 
don't ignore me, right? Yep. So I went up to her and poked her and went, Oi! And my inner dragon lady's come out, so I'm no longer recalling. I'm oh, I didn't stand- know you had an inner dragon lady. That's a new one. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, um, the um, energy changes. So my intention is no longer I want the dog to come to me. Now it's I want the dog to start going, what the fuck's going on? Yep. She's a little bit scary. So I'm, I'm approaching her like... Um, I, didn't, I wasn't saying anything, but my energy was kind of like, you know, stay away from me. And I got up to her and I sort of poked her and went, oi! And she looked at me and went, oh shit. And then she came towards me and I went, that's good. And then she went, huh? And went back to it again. Right, okay. <laughs> so I pulled up my phone and I did the next bit. So the next bit is the second part where I went uh, again. I went, and I think I said no the next time. And used her muzzle and pushed her away. And she licked and went, fuck, okay, you're upset. And then she came towards me and I immediately dropped it and reward. Yeah. And she followed me up the hill and I continued to reward her. Okay. She came away second part of that is today so I'm now quite far away from her today um, I was we pulled in off the path because people were walking past us I fed them all I dropped quite a bit of food and I walked on so she's about maybe 30 meters or so away from me at this point we realized we left her behind because they all came but she was like still getting some snacks and stuff and then I called and she went eh, I'm busy and I, I went oi and she looked at me and came running right okay and then I rewarded her yep so that word she remembers you see? Yes. It's very, very clear. Yeah. Now, normal people go, puppy, 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 come here. Why are you ignoring me? Right? <laughs> and the, the puppy. And then, the key, key thing is, and then they're pissed off with a puppy. Yeah. Right? So now, a normal person, A, is pissed off with a puppy. Now they're going into second guessing mode. Why are oh, they pissed off? Because the puppy didn't listen to them. Because it doesn't love them. And it's them. out of control. <laughs> well, we, this was our other subject, by the way. Um, it's now out of control and they're really pissed off with the puppy for not listening to them they're going to shout at it more um, because they're now in an emotional state they're also going to be doing that oh my god I've got a problem puppy it's not listening to me anymore something's changed what have I done wrong and they're gone so they're not there with the puppy anymore now the puppy's already moved on right because the puppy is just living in the moment so it's already moved on but now it's got somebody who's got this bad energy with them because everything they do is probably going to get them in trouble now you're going to be snapping at them for everything they do any sign they're not listening you're going to be all over them and the puppy's going to be like i don't know what the hell just happened i'm going to avoid the human yeah so now i need to stay away from this human because i'm not liking this thing that's going on here we're being inconsistent we're being inconsiderate we're being quite scary yeah and we're not giving a release of that pressure yeah and so now the puppy is anxious and stressed and doesn't know the rules anymore and the human is causing a perpetual cycle because I'm not going to let it off lead anymore because it's not trustworthy. It yep. doesn't love me. Yeah. So the, the reason we get a pet dog is because we want something in our lives that there is no pressure on that gives us that unconditional positive regard, unconditional love. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're in a different world. This is the reason we get a dog. We want a dog because we want something that can love us, that can be happy when we get home, that will cuddle us and when the dog doesn't do that then we are absolutely screwed because if even my dog doesn't love me what does that say about me because i can say with a human it's because i treated them a certain way or i'm not a very nice person but a dog doesn't notice that side of things so i must have bad energy must be something very wrong with me that not even my dog loves me and so they get into that i'm gonna do things to buy the affection because i can't tolerate a dog not loving me and not listening to me 
and I will now feed it and, I, and when I feed it, it looks at me with those big adoring eyes and it clearly loves me and that's okay. As long as I do that, I will get my dog to love me because it is absolutely intolerable to have a dog that doesn't love you. And unfortunately, your dog doesn't love you. It's not they don't they're not capable of the same sort of love and actually that's what makes it nice because it is unconditional acceptance of the role that you play in their life and that is brilliant they don't care whether you can't have the energy to shower they don't care whether you've horrible say horrible things they don't care whether you um, <coughs> can't be bothered with anything today so um, one of the problems is then our, our level of um, the need to control, the need yes. to be in control, and the, the fact that the dog's affection for us was related to our our self self worth, sense of self esteem. Yeah, yeah. It's the meaning in our dog that's the problem, not the dog itself. So we stop seeing a dog as an animal. We see a dog as filling a hole in our life, having been with us through the most difficult times. How do you, how do you move away from that, but not needing the validation from the animal? It's a really, it's a really fundamental thing for most people to feel the need for feeling there's something okay about them, that they are lovable, that they can be loved. And I think anybody who's had any challenging starts in life is going to have come out of their childhood feeling that at some level they're unlovable, that their behaviour can affect whether they're loved or not. They will have learned to um, watch the adults in their life and try and change their behaviour so that that adult would give them the love that they needed to give. For whatever reason, um, even in the best uh, families where your parents absolutely believed in you and then you messed up, you could think they don't love me because I messed up, right? And I'm letting them down. And the thing that's really interesting is each species has a critical factor for survival. So um, a horse, which is a herd animal, a herd animal needs to be able to run as soon as it's born. So it needs to be able to get on four legs, be able to walk and be able to run as quickly as possible. That's critical for survival. A predator needs can't do predator behaviour as soon as it's born because it's not big and strong enough to attack anything. So a predator like a dog, as a puppy, needs to not do all that behaviour but stick close to mum, let mum cover you, follow her, always be with the mother figure. That gives you the best chance to survive until you're old enough to be able to look after yourself. A human baby can't even sit up for eight months. Right? So the first critical thing for a human baby is to have a bond with its mother so it's fed and looked after. Right? That's the critical thing for a human baby. So we are genetically programmed to bond with our mother initially and because our brains haven't evolved but have adapted, any responsible adult we are programmed to bond with. So we are always growing up saying, am I loved more or am I loved less as a result of this thing that's happened? If I'm loved more, do more of it. If I'm loved less, do less of it. Now that's really simple if let's say you're running with your mum's favourite mug and you trip and you smash it and she goes spare at you when you go mum doesn't love me because I broke her favourite mug you can at least learn from that to be more careful when carrying favourite things <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a stupid lesson but it's a clear lesson but what happens when your mum flies into a rage and you haven't done anything or you bring your school report home and you get in trouble for it even though you've tried really hard or you know 
there's an obsession with cleaning and you can never get it right. Every time you do the cleaning, there's always something wrong and she picks away at you. What happens when your mum's depressed and is asking you, do you love her all the time? And you can say whatever you say and she bursts into tears. What happens when it's not a clear cause and effect? You can't say, if I do this, then this will make me love more. Then what you have to learn is everything you do makes you unlovable. It's a pretty shitty lesson, but it's the only way your brain can learn because it has to learn about love and behavior. So you're always striving to get love, but you can never get it. And the crazy thing about that is love and behavior actually have nothing to do with each other. So if, what happens if you get an animal, though, at that point? Because the animal's um, a different, different type of love. So yeah. the dog's going to, regardless of, I've seen like dogs would rather stay with their owner, even if their owner was abusive. So you know, yes. the thing that springs to mind was this guy that um, I was called to go and see with his staffy, and he hit it in front of us, he was kicking it, and they had nothing in his house, like it was disgusting. And the dog clearly didn't get out because it was smelly, and yeah. you know, it's a horrible situation. And the dog was frightened of him, but didn't want to come to us because we were strangers. So we would yeah. rather stay with him. Yes. So that's that's like an unconditional love. It is. It's well. It's it's an unconditional. It's genetic programming, because if you have a bond, you're part of my pack. Yeah. And for survival, so it comes. But, from but if that person, say this guy, this man, has felt like he's not lovable, yeah. Clearly, his dog still wants to be with him. How, where does that fit? Well, he wouldn't see that. I think he needs to plug it in. Um, he wouldn't <laughs> see that. So he wouldn't see that. So when, when you're in this state, the only thing you see are the signs that you're not lovable, not the signs that you are. Ah. So it doesn't matter how, many, how much evidence there is for saying the opposite, you will only pick up on the things that, say, that validate your opinion. It's like a filter. But the, the thing that's really crazy is, if somebody, like in a parental relationship, if a parent loves you, they love you no matter what you do and no matter what they do. And if they don't love you, they don't love you no matter what you do and no matter what they do. Love and behaviour actually have nothing to do with each other. So you can go through your whole childhood trying to change things so that you get the love and trying to change your behaviour because you get really good at watching these people and adapting so that you can do the thing that makes you loved but you never feel that you're loved. But it's nothing to do with you, it's just some random bad luck a lot of the time that somebody isn't capable of showing love. So, but that's our programming, right? So if you've got that situation, you've grown up in that situation, you've gone into your adult life believing that you're unlovable because of all of this stuff that happened. Doesn't matter what anybody says, you can be in a relationship for 30 years, your partner stays with you for 30 years, you don't know why, you just assume they're gonna leave you at any moment in time. And then you bring in something that is totally unconditional, you bring a dog into that equation. You can heap all your love on that dog and it will wag its tail and lick your face and be happy to be with you. It doesn't see all the horrible bits of you that everybody else is seeing. It doesn't have to make a judgment about whether you're lovable or not. You can be in a bad or mood. Or that you're masking. Or that you're masking. It can't tell any of that. It just, if you wag, it'll wag its tail and it'll lick you. And if, if all else fails, you can give it a treat and it'll enjoy the treat or the toy or whatever so much that that's it. That, the moment it doesn't listen to you, that shakes you. 10 times worse than with a person because this is something that should give you unconditional love and, and so this is for trainers listening 
Yeah. This is the owners that I send to Dawn because I recognise there's parts that I can't. And I'm sending everybody to Dawn now, so that's really <laughs> terrible for everybody listening to this because <laughs> I think that, well, there's different levels, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. But, um, I think that, especially for the ones who've got severe problems, because that doesn't just happen overnight, it builds up and we compensate by, um, well, obviously, you know, when we say, like, oh, you're tense in the lead. Well, I wasn't tense in the lead when I got the puppy, but now I'm tense in the lead because I'm scared of what the puppy's going to do. And that's, or the dog. Yeah. Um, and that's perfectly reasonable because you're trying to risk assess and yeah. keep the dog safe and keep other people safe. But along the way, you pick up these habits and you pick up um, emotions, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Around what's happening. And that needs cleared before we can move on properly because the, the dog can get a change. Yeah. Of environment, but if the human's emotions stuck, that's the problem. Can. So that's why I said they're to Donna. But for the severe human cases, when I recognise that some of the giveaways are, I'm sure Jesse won't mind you saying because there's, it's changed now a lot. Um, you know, her, her giveaway was when you said to me she's stuck in this loop because she was going, yeah, but what if? What will happen if? But what should I do if? And that, and and Jess was doing an amazing job of trying to answer every question until I said stop. Not there is no to. answer that you can give her because she's, in, she's just stuck in a loop. She's trying to control everything and get everything in and she hadn't realized yet that actually what she's realized now is she can just trust in herself. So, so if you think you've got the situation where you think there's something wrong with you, you think you cannot be loved, you've got all this evidence from growing up to say that you cannot be loved and then you've So there might be a weird glitch in this at the moment because I was in the middle of saying something, my phone rang, I hung up the phone and the podcast stopped recording. How inconsiderate people to call while we're doing a podcast. I know, and but you know, what was amazing is you spotted that it stopped recording straight away, so we didn't talk too much more, but we were away <laughs> talking about the connection between love and the need for love of our dogs. So if we're feeling like we're a horrible person, essentially, because um, we could not be loved by the people that automatically should love us, and we've got all this evidence to go, and we've got our dog now that is unconditional. It's just filling that really nice, safe space for us. And now our dog's behaving in a way that is not good, and our dog runs away, and we try and call it back, and it doesn't come back. Then it's not coming back because we're a horrible person and it doesn't love us. That's the automatic thing that we end up at. It's just like, not even my dog cares about me. And that is... Seems so selfish for me. I know this is really self, like yeah, sensitive, it, it, but it seems really selfish to think that it's the dog self-centered. It's got so much pressure on the dog. Yes, so it's self-centered. It's just doing dog stuff. Which is we all are. We're all self-centered. We all make everything about us all the time. We can't help it. It's just human nature. So, um, and, but it does. It stops us seeing the dog. It's putting a huge expectation on the dog, mm-hmm. huge responsibility on a dog that is just a dog. And it will give you that unconditional acceptance if you give it clear boundaries, if you make it clear what it needs to do, it will be dead happy being so with you. one of the first rules that I give everybody on Patreon is be cool. That's the number one rule, be yeah. cool. Be cool. And it doesn't mean anything if your dog doesn't listen to you. It doesn't mean it hates you and it doesn't love you and that you're a terrible person. It just means it's doing dog behaviour. And <laughs> what I was saying to somebody this morning is, you're not as interesting as a dog's butt. I'm sorry, you're just to be <laughs> too more interesting than a dog's butt. And if you're not, then you might also, lose out to like, the dog's butt. Like also, I don't feel like I, I got a dog to not let it do natural behaviour. So although, you know, to get the dog to have good recall, we need to have a lot of practice. We need to know the rules of recall. We need to know that when we say the dog's name again and again, that we're teaching it, it can, it's, we're undermineable. Yep. You know, we're teaching us it, that we're white wise, um, that we're not going to be listened to. 
we're being inconsistent. You know, we're teaching all that. So if you know the rules, that's fine. And then you implement the rules and you practice a lot. So even people who know the rules still get it wrong. Yeah. And or forget to practice. But then even you've got all that, that's where I'm at, right? Yeah. Even though I've got all that, I'm still going, puppies found the other butt interesting, more than interesting than me, and that's okay. Yes. Because 99% of the time, it's going to find me more interesting because of the work I've done. Yes. But at the end of the day, I didn't buy a robot. I, I, I got a, the dog, I'm thinking of puppies just now, that's why yes. I'm the word buy, because most dogs I get are not bought. But um, I didn't choose to live with a robot, I chose to live with an entity that can make choices. But most of the people did not choose to live with a dog. They chose a pet. The pet happens to be a pet dog. That's the pet they've chosen. They've chosen a pet dog because they're a little bit more loving than cats. It's a little bit more unconditional than cats are. Um, you can take them for walks, all this sort of stuff. It's, so the, it's the constant companionship. Yes, right? so they've chosen is. a constant... It's not a so a hamster's not so cuddly, um, can't take it on walks, and probably will bite you a lot more than you should expect it to. Um, a cat has, you know, I like cats because they're independent, I don't have to look after them that much, and they can choose to be with me, and I like that they're choosing to be with me, that's why I like cats. Um, less responsibility than a dog. Some people want a dog, family member, a companion, something to go walks with, to go camping with, hiking with, all that sort then of stuff. That's the stuff that we enjoy. But they've yes. got a whole bunch of innate behaviours that they want to do, like sniffing butts. Yep. And we they don't call think about sniffing butts. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. What did you say earlier? Be shinier than a sniffing than a uh, smelly butt. Be be more shiny than a dog's butt. Uh-huh. Okay. Excellent. We are just making this more and more simpler as we go. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> We've gone from kitchen training yep. to be shiny to yep. be shinier than a It's like butt. that dog is going and sniffing another dog's butt and it's not coming back to you. Why do you think it's not coming back to you? Because the dog's butt's more interesting than you are. How are you going to get over that in the future, right? Because you're going to need to do some work on that one and it's going to be hard. And also accept that it's a thing. Like you might not want it to do it and yeah. that's okay too. Yeah. But also accept that that's a part of being a dog. Yeah. So and this so we, we talked on the last podcast about being a good manager and this is all about not micromanaging, right? Don't you shouldn't stop your dog sniffing things and doing dog-like things. That's they're a dog, but they've got to follow your rules when they do it. They've got to do it within boundaries. And if you're kind of measuring everything as it doesn't love me because it's not coming back to me, it went to that person and took a treat from them, so it must like them more than it likes me. You know, my husband feeds the old cat that we've got, she's not even that old, but he feeds her every day, like loads of dreamies, because he wants her to be attached to him. That's and not really how to win a cat over. She comes in, it does. She comes into the kitchen to get her dreamies, and that's nice for him, and it makes him feel good that she comes into the kitchen to get her dreamies every day. That's his moment with the cats. That's fine. That's all okay. Um, but then he will equally say, if a cat doesn't come to him, the cats don't like me. It's like, they don't really care, you know? None of the cats come to anybody just now. <laughs> the cats don't generally come to people anyway. But it's not that the cat doesn't like you. That cat's just come and says hello to you. Why are you saying it doesn't like you? But it's that need that they, they meet. We wouldn't have a pet if it didn't meet a need. It's like a whole bunch of hassle to walk a dog and pick up its poo and do all that sort of stuff. If you did all that without any other return, it's just no fun. This is me speaking as not a dog person. I fully appreciate that. <laughs> what do you mean it's not as fun to pick up dog poo? What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, I know. I've heard your conversations about how pretty dogs' butts are. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a very interesting walk around the park that day. <laughs> it's like when, when you've got kids, there are certain moments in life and you say things and you go, this is a phrase I never thought I'd find myself saying. And this is the same thing. Or like remove that soldier from your nostril or something. Well, it's not worse than that. Those are just like, obviously, yeah, like that, you'd guess that you're going to end up saying things like that. It's like, you know, dad, my fingers stuck up my butt and things like that. Those are the things that you don't think you have to deal with, you know. So, yeah, there's interesting things you have to deal with. I think we had, we had three teenagers around our house the other day spending time with the kittens who were acting like five-year-olds and screaming and shouting. And then one of them used the litter and they all applauded the cat loudly as it used the litter. So you see me walking into that room, that imaginary room where they're all there. Yeah. That's how people feel coming to the, the dog. Oh walks. god, yeah. Like I, I, I even feel sick thinking about it. Yes. The chaos. Yes. Of those children, the noise they'd make, and the yeah. hyperness. Yeah. I'm reversing out that door and closing it. Right. Yeah. So you walk into that same room with all of your dogs, and that's my or, or reaction. Even or even like not my dogs, even just regular dogs that are just existing. I'm cool with that. Yeah. I can take that chaos and I can absorb it and go, you're all awesome. Right. But, but teenage children or anything above, like, two days old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that, so, so we can take my therapy room with all those kids, which I can handle perfectly well, and we can put that same therapy room with your collection of dogs who come running in and do all their thing, and I have a similar reaction to your thinking about still, with the teenage kids. Still. still. Because for me, that is chaos, and I'm, I, my natural instinct is to go, don't do that, don't do that, do this, do that. And I've got you know, dogs knocking things over, diving into bins, stealing things, <laughs> chewing things, and you're just sitting there cutting up chews, like perfectly cool with it. But I'm like, oh, this is too much for me. It's, for me, it's too much. So for you, it would be too much that. It's still too much for me. So I totally get it. You had bonsai sitting nice in the couch eating your toy. Yeah, she was chewing on my puppet. Legs knocked a cup of coffee over all over the wall. <laughs> and we know how much I love legs. Um, Tristan was like, hi, 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 hi. <laughs> the puppies were like, what's this? What's that? Can I chew this cable? Can I go under the desk? That's the most interesting place because that's where all the cables are. I thought that was perfectly reasonable. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the thing. We, we have different thresholds and different things that we're used to. So yes, yeah, somebody coming to your walk, where they see 20 dogs and owners all randomly wandering, some of them be on leads, some of them won't be on leads, is massively overwhelming. And now you put into that mix, I've got a dog that is a way to go, either go and kill all your the dogs. worst problem here. Yeah, it's the worst <laughs> problem here. It's either going to kill all your dogs or all your dogs are going to kill it because it doesn't know how to behave. I'm going to try and get it back and it's not going to come back to me because my dog doesn't listen to me anymore. And how am I supposed to cope with this? And you're all thinking that my dog's the worst dog here. So you've got all the human emotion. You've got all the overwhelm of that. And then it's like, come on, let's walk. And like, have you ever taken it off lead? <laughs> and they're just like, fuck no. Why would I, you know? It's just like, yeah, so you have to get past the uh, not really being there thing. And same with the dog, right? You have to get past the dog has a certain set of rules that it's used to following. It might be... I'm responsible for you, I'm just going to watch out and make sure nothing gets close to you. It might be, I get to do whatever I want to, and nobody can tell me otherwise. Or it might just be, oh my god, you know, this is overwhelming for me too, I'm just going to hide behind you. So the dog's doing a behaviour that you need to get it to stand down from. The owner's kind of like, all this chaos is going to happen, my dog's going to end up dead, or it's going to savage somebody here. And then somehow, an hour later, 
they walked back to the car smiling with their dog trotting alongside off lead. It wasn't that bad. It did okay. Oh my God, it came back to me. It must love me. And these people are really nice. <laughs> yeah, but within the space of an hour, they can go from that immense chaos, emotional overwhelm for both them and the dog to the dog trotting back happily to the car <laughs> and them going, huh, that's the best I've ever seen my dog. This was cool. And it's just, it's remarkable, right? So it's just a mindset thing, dog and human. Yeah, but it takes some tough owners, like tough mentally to kind of... Well, everybody that turns up is already there, right? Because the ones that aren't capable of it don't turn up to the walks in the first place. Think about the amount of courage it takes somebody who maybe has come along to the park three or four times already and never got out the car to actually get out of their car with a dog they think is the worst dog ever with a human that is in a total mess to get out of their car and walk into that you already won right you've, you've already won at that point that we should do that the level of determination that takes a resilience that takes to even get that far means that the next bit's relatively easy it's crazy it's probably a good point to end our podcast on apart from another phone call so <laughs> thanks all for listening to our random chaos podcast speak to you soon